Hello and welcome to the Shanta Years podcast. Today, my guest will be Mr. Joe Cashin, the current voice of the Shanta Clears. And we will be talking about the 2013 football season. This season coming off of a successful year in 2012 was Coach Joe Moglia's second in charge of the Shanta Clear football program. And it included some of the greatest games in Shanta Clear football history that Liberty double overtime game the Montana game in the playoffs, our first matchup with perennial power, North Dakota State in the quarterfinals. This was an incredible conversation with Joe. I can't wait for you guys to get to it and kind of go through all these games, including some of those 2012 highlights uh, that Joe was right there on the sideline to see and with the team all along. As always, before we do, I want to get you guys to share like subscribe whatever you guys do on all the platforms that this podcast is available share it around on social hit us on at coastal csn if there's any years that we need to hit and the people that we need to talk to about them we want to know from you what you want to hear about so hit us on there we'll be sharing this around and look forward to the previews of other episodes and 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 other content from our conversations things that aren't used in the full podcast so that we can kind of relive and kind of kill this time while we're waiting on Sean Claire athletics to pick back up. So thank you for listening and we'll get right into the conversation about 2013 football with Mr. Joe cash the voice of the Sean clears. I'll actually throw in a question before my first question, which was what was your role in 2013? What was your role from the beginning? Cause you, you've been there with coastal football and coastal athletics since the beginning of football, correct? That is correct. The original role that I had was the same one in 2013. I started as the sideline reporter that, uh, you know, when came in in 03 and I had heard that coastal was going to start football and I started looking into it and got a hold of Matt Hogue and he interviewed me and asked me if I wanted to be part of the broadcast and be down on the field. I said, heck yeah, brother, I'll do that in a minute. <laughs> Let's do it. And so we started in 03. And the last year that I was on the field was 2013 before, you know, Matt got his promotion upstairs. And then he asked me if I wanted to come up and do play by play after that. So it was, uh, you know, the, the last year on the field. I, I miss it, but, uh, you know, I enjoy the play by play. But that field was a lot of fun. So what do, what do you learn? Not only obviously this team, we're talking about 2013, but what do you see that a fan can't see that someone like yourself now in, in the play by play? play-by-play booth can't see or hear or kind of even feel down on the sideline what do you what do you take in down there you take in the emotion of the game the emotion of the players the ups and the downs the the momentum shifts and swings the momentum shifts of the of the fans the way they feel about a game the way it's going on you can really feel it down on the field like you can anywhere else I mean it's hard it's hard to explain I mean you 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 know this because you've been down there too and baseball mm-hmm. and other sports primarily but I mean you, you can just feel it you know you understand what the coaches are talking about you see the interaction the coaches and the players you can go into the locker room and see the planning at halftime, you know, kind of what's going on in there. The players are off their feet. They're trying to get hydrated and, you know, just get a little bit of rest, get them off their feet before they start the second half. You see the coaches, you know, crunching numbers and looking at plays and whatnot and, and trying to, you know, fine tune a few things before you go back out for the second half. And, you know, just so many things that are going on, you know, behind the scenes and even sometimes right in front of fans that the fans really aren't looking at, you know. It's just such a fascinating atmosphere and, you know, one that one that I miss a lot. You can get you can get some of that upstairs, but being on the field, it's just, you know, and we'll, and we'll talk a little bit about this when we hit <laughs> we hit the Liberty game of 2013. But I mean, this is things that happen that just get you so energized and excited about what's going on. With your role in 2013 on the sideline, um, the second year under Coach Joe Moglia, um, what what did you learn how would you describe his I want I didn't put team in this question his organization on a game day with all those things all that game planning and that those little things how would you describe a Joe Moglia organization on a game day well organized I mean you just you just hit the word organ organization is what he brought in when he was hired in my opinion and I don't you know again I, I don't want to you know I, I love coach Bennett and what they did they did a phenomenal job for 10 years mm-hmm. and you know I, I I hated the way that it ended you know I mean I did I mean I hated that it, that it ended that way but you know in my opinion it was uh, at some 
level, it was inevitable. You know, I think a change at that point in time was was probably needed for the program and, and the university. And the change was made, and Coach Moglia came in, and he got some he got some things organized. Quite frankly, you know, he instilled some mm-hmm. discipline that this program needed. There was some direction and some new energy that he brought to it. He brought a new staff in for the most part. You know, everybody except you know Patrick Covington. He was the guy that kind of that, that you know kept the the ship going while they while the change was made, and then you know Coach came in in 2012 and, and things changed in, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, it was just, it, it was a different organization. I mean, you know, it, you could see it. I, I could, you know, I was hoping that it would happen quickly, but it, you know, it was kind of early in the season when I really got the idea, okay, you know, that things have changed around here now and, and we're going to be better. We're going to, we're going to move forward with the guys that we have and, and make strides that we need to be making. That's awesome. in, in- Coach, as uh, as a person, I, I met him at his introductory press conference, mm-hmm. but then I left in 2012 right after um, spring ball. So I, I didn't get to see any of 2012 or really be around him like like I would normally during during a season because um, I'm obviously working with spring sports during spring ball. What what did you learn about him through that 2012 into 2013 on not only his organization on the on the football and team side of things, but him as, as a person. Great person, you know, to work with. I mean, he was always, you know, always generous with his time. You know, he has, you know, he had obviously had things going on. He was more of a delegator kind of a guy, you know, let the coordinators, Clayton Carlin on defense, Dave Patnode on offense, kind of run things, kind of run mm-hmm. those sides of the ball primarily. He was a guy that just kind of was in, in some ways hands off, but in a lot of ways he was hands on. And, you know, of course he brought in the life after football thing that uh, we still do today where he, you know, if we take practice, you know, time every week to you know bring somebody in and talk to the guys about what are you going to do when your football career is over because it's a very short career for just about everybody and he brought that in and you know just the loyalty too to these that he showed to his players and his coaches you know i mean it was just a, a a fascinating individual to get you know just to sit down and talk to him and kind of pick his brain about you know things other than football sometimes you know mm-hmm. i mean just you know his business acumen and you know things that happened to him in the business world and how he got into coaching originally and why he had to get out and why he wanted to get back in and you know just a, a truly fascinating a one of a kind out of the box kind of individual to be the head coach one thing that really it didn't it surprised me, but then also didn't surprise me, and I could see why he was so successful in business and coaching. I came back in 2015 after you know I had met him at his introductory press conference. We did some interviews and things like that that we had to do, um, but then I, I left pretty quickly in 2012. I come back in 15. I walk in to to meet with him, I think to interview him, and he stands up and says, "Alex, how the heck you doing?" Yeah, and I was like, I I had not spoke to him for three years, and um, he you know he was locked in, and um, I, I think that's probably something that that he probably showed to everybody, and in, in that extra little bit of care that um, I think goes a long way, and people notice. I noticed it right away when I when I returned. Attention to detail. You remember, yes, you, you, absolutely. You, you remember those things about people, you know, you you remember their names, you know, you shake your hand, you meet somebody for the first time and you make a point to remember that individual's name because you might not, you might not see them again for 10 minutes. You might not see them again for two or three years, you know, but you, mm-hmm. but you, you make a mental note of that and you remember that. And that's another thing that he brought to the table and in his coaching style, you know, the attention to detail, the cleaning up of the small things that, you know, add up to big things that have a difference in winning and losing. And, and I think, you know, I think Joe was an absolute and still is a master at that. And that kind of leads to, to what we're due to talk about next. And 2012, not the year we're fully talking about, but it was first year we get back to the playoffs and the first FCS playoff win in uh, team history. Uh, we just talked about his approach, his attention to detail. Um, do you think all of that led to a, a pretty drastic change in results pretty immediately? Yes, I do. We cut down on penalties right away, which is, which is, which is an attention to detail kind of thing. You know, the turnovers, we, we cut down on those, the mental mistakes, again, the things that lead to, to winning and the things that, that cost you, you know, that causes, you know, losses to show up in that column. And, you know, I, I, I remember the first game prior to the first game, I thought, you know, what are we going to see out here? <laughs> you know, I mean, right. because his hiring 
and there were a lot of people wondering, you know, what the heck is Coastal doing? You know, what are they doing hiring this guy? And what the, what's this going to look like? He hadn't had a paid college coaching job in 30 years. And that first game against North Carolina A&T, we looked okay. You know, we were all right. It was, it was organized. Mm-hmm. You know, we looked okay. We won the game. We weren't spectacular, but we won it, and we won it the way we should have won it. It was in week two at Furman that I, I knew that that's when I was convinced that things were different. You know, Furman would take the lead late and it was, you know, 25, 22, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, daggum, we, we've just, <laughs> here we go again. We figured out a way mm-hmm. not to win a game that we've had in our back pockets, you know, the entire time. And Furman was scoring, we're scoring They're They're scoring and we're scoring. So we get to the third overtime and we score again quickly. And now we got to go for two. And it's 45-39, and so we line up and run option towards our sideline. And I'm standing there, and I can remember this, Alex. I, I kind of cornered my eye. There were about 10 purple jerseys on that edge, and I thought, this doesn't have a chance. Well, I don't know what in the world. We're running option. They're all their defenders are right here. And the next thing you know, there goes Demario Bennett back the other way with the option. He could have thrown it, but he ran it. He had one guy over there and beat that guy, and I thought, we just did this. <laughs> we just mm-hmm. ran this kind of play in this situation. And then we, we, right. at Furman, at, not at even, Furman you know, we, we're yep. rolling the dice, you know, Pat noticed, yeah, we're playing for the downs and, and we run that and we wind up winning the game. And I thought, yeah, this, this thing is different now. And then as a post, mm-hmm. as a postscript to that, I'm walking off the field up to the locker room and, uh, you know, just to, just to kind of catch it. I'm soaking wet. It rained all day, soaking wet, happy as heck. We just won the game. I stick my head in the locker room and, and coach is just wrapped up. And then all of a sudden, we, our, one of our defensive linemen, Johnny Hartsfield, he's a senior that year. I'll, I'll remember this and, and just, you know, like it was yesterday. He, he stands up in front of the whole team and he says, with 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 passion i mean just just incredible passion he says this is a new team you know and 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 everybody mm-hmm. just stands up and they just start roaring and i was you know i, I get teary-eyed thinking about it now i'm just, I'm just like man yeah you know we're gonna be better now we're better you know these kids have bought into Absolutely. this you know awesome stuff I, I remember it like it was yesterday johnny hartsfield he was all conference for us that year Man, and that you was know, you. You had memory. you had texted me last night. You texted me last night that 2012 led to 13, and then obviously 14 with a probably a better record. We get a bye in the playoffs and all that, yeah, but no doubt. So that that Furman game and obviously the rest of 2012 is kind of what you know you got to build. And, and like Coach always said, it, it compounds. Compounding. So, yep. So that 2012 year that built in and obviously with you know leftover players from both eras and and those players had big moments in 13 as well describe some of the talent um and and just the makeup of this team in 13 um you know coming off of that that building year of, of 2012 with a with a playoff win and and all that but um now we're we're left with a kind of a, a younger roster and coming into thirteen and describe what you know some of those names and talent on that roster. Had a lot of it, Alex. I tell you what, there are a lot of good players. You know, we we did lose a couple of good ones off that twenty twelve team. You know, Aramis Hillary had a great senior year. You know, he he got a lot better that year. You know, he graduated. Jeremy Height was a kid who was a running back for us and wound up being a kick returner. He, they, they got him healthy finally for the first time in, in, in his, you know, his career. Johnny Hartsfield, a guy that I just mentioned, he was a senior in 2012. And, but we had a lot of guys coming back. And one kid who made one start in 2012 was a guy named Alex Ross. He started quarterback at the, at the Gardner-Webb game and, and kind of gave us a glimpse as to, okay, we're going to be all right with this guy next year at quarterback. You know, we're right. going to be okay. So of course Alex, you know, comes in and Alex Ross starts, you know, his uh, his red shirt sophomore year. So he gets those those last three years, 13, 14, 15. Defensive side of the ball, of course, you had Quinn Backus over there, all time leading tackler, one of the top five players that I've ever seen come through the program. I mean, he was just, you know, three time defensive player of the year in the conference. You know, of course you had uh, Matt Hazel, a big time player, all big south, you know, played in the NFL. Um, you know, Nicola Master Mateo, who, you know, his brother is at, at Coastal now. You know, he was a big time mm-hmm. wide out slot guy, punt return guy, return punts for, you know, touchdowns and, and whatnot. And, you know, you have Richie Sampson, who was all big South player. 
Uh, and then, and then a kid that nobody really saw, I didn't see coming. The coaches might've seen this kid coming, uh, but I, I didn't see him coming, but had the best running back single season year that we've ever had. And that's Lorenzo Talfero. I mean, he was just absolutely phenomenal in 2013. He just, he exploded on the scene. You know, I thought D'Angelo Henderson, <laughs> about that name, right, I, yeah. I thought he would win that job. <laughs> But you couldn't keep you right. couldn't keep Zoe off the field in 2013. He was just mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. And of course, again, we yeah just had a, a terrific offensive line. You know, guys like Chad Hamilton up there, Drew Herring. Those those were all conference players. Uh, Jeffrey Sally on the defensive front was good. Mike McClure, you know Denzel Rice, you know who played in the league. He's our a defensive mm-hmm. back for us. So we we had some pretty ch- talented kids. Jamie Cheatwood, you know, also all conference offensive linemen. Want to get him in there, and then Devin Brown was a kid. You know, I've always called him the most exciting return man in college football. You know, his first return at Coastal for a score was in that 2013 season, you know, and he would return five Mm -hmm. over the course of his career. So we we had a good core group of talented kids that really stepped up in 2013 and and, and led us to to heights we'd never, never seen before. Yeah, and, and all that talent is obviously you need talent to win football games, but what what would you say is the kind of that that morale, the the chemistry, the atmosphere that you, you may need even more so than the talent um, in order to kind of realize that talent and, and win these games and, and do what we did in 13. What was that that team morale? What was the locker room like in 13? Every time I saw it, I mean, those guys were together. It was just like the, you know, the way they reacted after the Furman game. You know, they, they were excited. They were together. They had bought in. And that, that was the biggest thing. They, they'd bought into what Coach Moglia and his staff, you know, were wanting to do. And you, you have to have that. You have to have that cohesion. Now, you can't have, you know, the backbiting and infighting in a locker room and expect to be successful. You know, those guys really mm-hmm. bought into it. They were excited. You know, we came out in that 2013 season and we won the first two games. We weren't, you know, terribly spectacular. You know, the South Carolina State game, we had to have a blocked field goal. You know, uh, Tank Hawthorne blocked. A f- I, I should have mentioned him a minute ago. Tank Hawthorne, you know, he had a big junior year for us and came back and he blocks that thing at SC State and and uh, Backa scoops it up and scores and we won that game and then we beat Furman and and then in the you know the Eastern Kentucky game week three was that was the one that really was the springboard in my opinion. Yeah, you know, we we went up there with a team again that was you know they were together they were excited and. You know, they, they knew they had a chance to be good. You know, that, that bunch knew they had a chance. And we went to Eastern Kentucky, who had beaten us in Conway the year before. And we hung 51 on those guys. And, and I don't know, but it may- and they were number 25 at the yeah, time, right? Yeah, they were, they were a, a good FCS football team and, you know, a team that had some pedigree in FCS, a former national champion. And it may still be a record, but those 51 points at the time were the most that any opposing team had ever scored in that stadium. Yeah, you know, oh, wow. I mean, we we went up there and just and just bull rushed those guys, and and that that was the game in thirteen. I think that really was the springboard and and got us rolling. And I'll never forget in the locker room after that game, I walk in there, and uh, and Doctor Desenzo was in there, and I, I kind of walked up to him, and I didn't, I don't, I don't think I said anything to him right away, but he he looked at me and he said. He said, you know, this team has a chance to be pretty good. <laughs> I, I said, yeah, they kind of do, don't they? You yeah. know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and he was right. They, they wound up being pretty good. You kind of hit on it with, with all that, all the points that they're scoring. And I mean, they obviously, they, they hung a bunch on Hampton, um, you know, for family weekend after that Eastern Kentucky matchup. What, what did that stretch tell you about the team? What, what did you see that was the style? Obviously the Dave Pat note offense really started to shine at this point. It was give it to Zoe and fling it around on offense. Cause we had guys <laughs> that could run it. We had an offensive line that could move people. We had guys on the outside that could catch it. You know, and we had a defense that got stops when they needed to. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of – it was it was a go-for-broke mentality offensively, just spread the field and throw it around, you know, get it to Zoe, get it to Hop, who had a pretty good year. You know, I mean, he didn't – he, he, he right. wasn't the feature back, but, you know, just get it to our playmakers. Let Ross be Ross out there. Throw it around. Let's see what's going to happen. And, and you know, it, it wound up being – you know, to this day, it's still the best offensive football team that we've ever put on the field. Seven, seven, no 17 yeah. seasons of football. You know, 2014 wasn't too far behind this one. But this bunch could score in bunches against anybody. I mean, they were so much fun to watch. I mean, we were, like you said, storming up and down the field, hanging 50 left and right. And, well, it's a, it a fun bunch to watch offensively. 
and they kept that rolling, um, beat Gardner Webb, um, which our, our football SID, Kevin Davis probably doesn't like that's we've never <laughs> lost to Gardner Webb. I want to put that in there make sure he knows, but, um, that leads to, to Liberty going up to Liberty is always a challenge, uh, up in Lynchburg with their atmosphere. Talk about a bought in fan base, um, that really gets after you. What, what was it like up there before we even get to the, to the game? What was it like to go into that atmosphere? You know, obviously we're ranked. They want to take us down. Um, what was that like going up there with with Coastal versus Liberty? I'll tell you what, Alex. A- as an aside, I miss this rivalry. I really do. Mm-hmm. Just 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 because of the way it is when we show up. You know, they they made you know, around to, around 05, 06, They made beat Coastal their mantra. You know, because at that time we were the mm-hmm. kings of the conference. And that's that's when the sea change in Lynchburg really took place in terms of them pouring all their money. <clears throat> excuse me, their, their money and resources into football and athletics. You know, Danny Rocco came along and, you know, him and Jeff Barber, their AD said, we got to beat Coastal. And that's when they broke out all the red beat Coastal shirts. And for the next, you know, 10 years or so, that's, that's what that's what they lived off of. That's what they fed off of. And we knew going up there, that there would be 16, 17,000 people screaming at the top of their lungs. And I'll tell you what, I, I've heard some Coastal fans over the years since we you know, joined FBS, you know, they, they've kind of said, ah, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be done with Liberty. I'm glad we don't have to play them. You know, we don't, we're not having to you know mess with them again. I, I, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Heck no. I mean, that, that game always meant something. That game always meant something. You know, they wanted to beat us very badly. And, and, and the likewise, we wanted to beat them very badly because there's usually conference supremacy on the line. And so just walking into mm-hmm. that environment, you know, in, in October, we were undefeated. We were ranked in the top 10 of FCS. We were rolling. And, you know, we knew that they, we were going to get their best shot in this football game. So that's, yeah, the, the atmosphere. I, I miss that. I hope that we can develop that. You know, and I imagine at some point we will. We'll, we'll get that going with somebody in the Sun Belt. But, you know, if, if you're just a sports fan, I mean, a rivalry is meant to be, you know, a passionate fan base that they're, they're, you're excited when your rival shows up. You know, and you're excited when they come to your place and, and you want the fans to be loud and into it. And, you know, what fun is there to go, you know, go somewhere and play in front of a thousand people who could care less? You know, that's no fun. I, yeah, I, I, I miss that. And that, and that that's kind of what the flavor that was. That's what the flavor was like at three thirty that afternoon in Lynchburg. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, especially with, you know, we may have the, you know, kind of the out of the box coach and we're coming in top 10 scoring all those points. Um, you know, they even more so wanted to take us down and, and both teams scored plenty of points in this one. Um, double OT win that the shots needed a, uh, a block field goal in the second OT to win it. Um, before we get to the actual block field goal and, um, your vertical, what, <laughs> <laughs> what um you know what was that the game like obviously we talked about the atmosphere it was obviously crazy all game um but it was it was a pure shootout uh college football shootout uh what was it like to see those te- teams kind of trade blows obviously it was a lot of fun you know you, you like if, if you're a fan of football you you know you love offensive fireworks and that's what this thing was i mean they they scored early we scored you know we would answer and then they would go it would go back and forth and then they had a you know, they had a 28-16 lead at halftime. We we had a hard time kind of slowing them down going into the break. And, you know, they came out and scored again. And now all of a sudden we're down 35-16 to 16 and we're looking at fourth down and we got to do something. And so we run a little fake punt over there and pick up a first down and we score. And then right towards the end of the third quarter, they, you know, they hit us up with a gadget and they wound up scoring again. So with about two minutes to go in the third, it's 42-23. to 23. And I'll never forget this. I mean, People think I'm crazy that I can remember these sorts of details, but I, I kind of remember this. I looked at the scoreboard and I thought, I thought, dang, you know, when can we stop these guys? And I thought, you know, and the next thought was, we, we've got enough time if we can just get a stop. We can just get a stop. Mm-hmm. We've got enough time. We're down 19. You know, I know it's late in the third. We got a chance. So we take the next possession and we zoom right down the field. We hit Hazel with a big one. And then I think, you know, it was Alex to, to, to Matt Hazel to, to make it 42 to 30 right at the end of the fourth quarter, right at the end of the third going into the fourth. And I, I remember standing there and the place kind of got quiet after we scored. 
And I just got the feeling like, you know, these fans are thinking they, they have played their ever living butts off and we're still in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the feeling. Yeah. When you can, yeah, that's the feeling that I got. When you can hear the fans, <laughs> you can, you can, you can almost hear the silence mm-hmm. because they, they're start they're starting to do the math. Like, wait a minute. There's, you know, however many minutes left, there's a whole quarter left. We, we, yeah, and they, this team's not stopping either. Then what by, the heck? by that time, they couldn't slow us down. So now, now it became a matter of, okay, could we get a stop? Because we had it rolling too offensively. So we kick off to them and we stop them. We, we get a third and short and, and, and back of stuffs it. Back of stuff their guy right at the point of attack. And so they have to punt it. They punt it to us and here, and here we go. It's right down the field. And we stick it in the end zone with about eight minutes left to go in the game. And now it's 42-37. Now it's anybody's game. I thought, okay, here we go. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a rush to the finish now. And, we, and you know, they, they come back. They hit us with a big play. But we hold them to a field goal. Hold them to a field goal there. So it's an mm-hmm. eight-point game. And four minutes to go, we get it back. And then and here we go. <laughs> right on down the field we go. You know, convert a fourth and four in that drive. To, to you know to Niccolo and and then uh, we we hit Pasiello for the touchdown and so now we got to go for two with about forty seconds left of the game and I'm thinking okay I mean is Hazel going to get this is O going to get it well we we throw a little slant to Bruce Mapp <laughs> like Bruce Mapp you know who would who would go on to become one of the best wide receivers we've ever had but we you know and I think I think David told him he said look if if Bruce has one on one over there go to him. And he got leverage on his guy, mm-hmm. and Alex hit him for the two-point conversion, and you know, game winds up going into overtime. And you know, we we scored a touchdown, they scored one, and then we get it back, and they hold us to a field goal. It's fifty-five, fifty-two going into this, you know, going into their possession. And I thought, oh man, you know, we we got to slow them down some way. And then Calvin Hollenhorst got a big stop in overtime. They they tried a little screen, and Hollenhorst stuffed it. They have to kick a field goal. So then I go down to the I go down to the goalpost, which I never had done. I've never done that. I I, I hadn't done that in years. Really? I don't know what possessed me to do that. I went <laughs> I went down to the goalpost, you know, just to kind of watch it, just to you know, ho- hoping he'd miss it. This was a good kicker. Right. They, they, see it, see it for yeah, yourself. I mean, this kicker was good. Long <laughs> Lunsford was their kicker. He was really really good. He had a cannon leg. Mm-hmm. And this was about a forty two yarder. So this was well within his range. And and I, I see the snap, and then I see the ball flutter away. <laughs> and then, yeah, of course, yeah. Somebody got I got on camera. I wasn't it, that was not my intent. Yeah. I'm jumping around down there, and then I run over to our bench, and I just start pumping my fist in front of their fans over there behind our bench. I'm just pumping my fist and running around and acting the fool. But you know, it was one of the craziest moments. But I, you know, I just never forget how how awesome that was to you know to gut that out down 19 late in the third, and you know, you just you find a way to win. Yeah. You find a way to win, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what – that's exactly what that 13, you know, that 13 team did. They just – they found a way on the road in a tough environment, you know, to beat our, our tribals. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's still a sweet taste seven years later. <laughs> and that it, – it's – at that time, you know, we were still doing, um, you know, a lot of Big South broadcasts and things like that. But Liberty had the resources and, you know, the, the foresight to start doing ESPN three, ga- ESPN 3 games on their yeah. own. And so that was, that was something that a lot more people could watch. So that was sweet for me. I was in, um, Richmond, Virginia. I was actually probably at a colonial athletic association, uh, campus somewhere, but, um, you know, being able to watch that and, you know, more people take it in than having to, to pay for the big South or use the big South. That was even sweeter. And, and to see you in teal you know it wasn't it wasn't against the fans it was against their field house but to see that one piece of teal i mean that was that was all of us going crazy too so you just happened to be on camera no one else the funny thing too is you go back and watch that clip there's somebody from liberty right in front of me who i I, is is clearly frustrated and throws his throws his arms down all of a sudden he's front and i'm right behind him jumping up and down holding the microphone with my clipboard it's like a juxtaposition right there somebody just distraught and then there i am acting the fool but yeah, the t- t- yep. you know, Tank Hawthorne, give him credit because he got that one too. I mean, I, you talk about somebody who was a big-time special teams player. Tank Hawthorne, was a, he was a kick-block extraordinaire kind of guy. I think it goes to the, the style of who, who Niccolo was, but you mentioned that the fourth down play to Niccolo. And what kind of X factor was he uh, for this team? You mentioned his work in the slot. Um, 
on returns. Um, he was kind of that, that old reliable for, for Alex. And then obviously all these big play artists that we have, uh, in, in other spots, but, but Nicola was kind of that go-to. When he really it. was. I mean, he really was that kind of guy that you could just kind of sneak out there. People were looking for, you know, Hazel or, you know, Demario Bennett or somebody like that on the outside. And we'd, we just run him out there a little bit, you know, he'd get, he'd get loose under there and then be able to hit him. Alex would be able to find him and pick up some tough yards. And, you know, when we get into the Montana game, I'll tell you a little bit more about Nicola. You want to talk about a tough kid. You know, he, he, he made some mm-hmm. big time tough catches and, you know, the, the one at Liberty was the one that we had to have on fourth and short. Otherwise we don't score. And he was able to pick up the first down for us. But I, I, I loved, well, I loved watching him play, but wasn't afraid to stick his nose in there and make a tough catch. The shots move on from, from that big win and, and they handle business against VMI and Charlotte. Um, you know, again, massive point totals and kind of doing what they're supposed to against those two teams, those two programs at the time. Uh, and it leads to another top 25 matchup with Charleston Southern. Uh, what was kind of the message going? This was the next quote unquote big game. You know, you get, you get a, away from those trap games and you, you take care of business. And what was the message going into Charleston Southern, a, a top 25 matchup? You know, this, this game was, this game was really strange, Alex, because I, you know, I, I didn't travel with the team. I met them at the hotel, but to, to this day, it just, it, the whole vibe around that, that game just felt strange. It just, you know, we were nine and oh, and like you mentioned, we were, you know, right up there in the top five and, you know, looking at another big time game on the road against the Charleston Southern team that was really fired up for us. And I, I just, you know, and I don't want to take anything away from them because they, they really, they, they punched us in the mouth. I mean, they just played better than we did for mm-hmm. two and a half quarters and they, and they, they deserve to have the lead. But I just, you, you got the kind of feeling that this was kind of one of those games that, you know, we, we, we had to try to manufacture some emotion and we just didn't, we couldn't do it for the longest time in this game, you know, and we just, just didn't feel like we were as locked in and, and ready to go emotionally as we really needed to be. And, you know, you had, you had to have that against Charleston Southern. I mean, of course, you know, Jamie Chadwell, who's now our head coach, he had his guys ready to play, right? Yeah. He, he had, he had those guys ready to play. And by the time we figured it out, and got up to game speed. <laughs> it's it's the third it's the third <laughs> quarter, and we're down thirty one to six. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like that gum. It, it's it's one of those Saturdays that happens to you every now and then. And you know, again, I don't want to take anything away from them and what they did. They they outplayed us, but we finally kind of picked it up and started scoring some points. And you know, we we pulled back to within five points. You know, late in the fourth quarter, we kick off to them and. You know, that six minutes left, I'm thinking, okay, we, we stop these guys. We're going to go score because we kind of gotten into that rhythm offensively where we were moving and scoring. And, and then they were – it looked like they were might have been, you know, giving out of gas a little bit. Well, we kicked off to them and never saw the ball. <laughs> we never got the ball back, those suckers. They kept it the whole last six minutes, and they converted a couple of third downs, and and that was it. And it was just kind of one of those things. It's like, well, you know, we got to lick our wounds now. You know, and that Charleston's other team, they were mm-hmm. a good ball club. I mean, I don't take anything away from them at all. Oh, they, yeah. were, they were good. You know, Jamie had a good four years there as, as the head coach. And, you know, that was, that, was, that was a tough one to take, but, you know, we were able to bounce back from that. So after that loss, the shots go on to beat PC and lose a lopsided season finale to number 11 in the FBS, South Carolina. That leads to a home FCS playoff game versus Bethune-Cookman, who was just one spot behind the shots in the poll. Shots were number 11. Bethune-Cookman was number 12. CCU wins that game handily. That sets up a matchup with with number 4 slash 5, depends on what poll you look at, uh, Montana at Montana. Um, you know, never mind the football, kind of like we did, like we talked about with, with Liberty, but, um, the Montana fans, uh, were all over Twitter, Facebook, uh, and then even the message boards talking about how cold and loud it is up there. <laughs> um, what, what, what were you hearing? Um, you know, I, I think you were seeing a lot of the same things I was, but, um, also what, what was the team discussing about this quote unquote cold and loud? Oh yeah, I saw the same stuff you did. They, 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 their <laughs> people were populating everywhere. They were trying to get in somebody's head. But you know what? What, what I had seen <laughs> early in the week was that that polar vortex that was moving down from the Arctic Circle up into the Great Northwest. That's what I was seeing, and that's what the team was seeing. The team was seeing yeah. that too, and they and they figured, you know, early in early in game week that hey, you know, we we need to mobilize as many heaters as we can. And, and get them out there. That Nike Pro Combat Undergear, we, we got to get some of that. And George Glenn, who just did a phenomenal job trying to organize all that stuff, 
you know, he, he put all that stuff together and, you know, it was, it was really about just, okay, how do we keep these kids safe in what's going to be an, an extremely cold environment? Now I know those Montana people love to talk mm-hmm. about the cold, but they weren't used to playing in that kind of cold. I mean, we're, we're talking right. about the teens and the twenties is what they were used to. Well, th- this wasn't the teens and the twenties out there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> rat- ratchet that down a little bit. And that's what we wound up playing in. And, and, and I thought Coach Moglia on down, to, you know, the support staff, the athletic training guys, you know, Jeff Pounds and those guys, they, they did a terrific job of getting our kids ready mentally and physically, you know, to go out there and, and play in an environment that was completely unprecedented. You know, yeah, it, it, it was really cold and it was loud, but our, our kids were prepared come game day because of a lot of things that, that this staff did to get them ready. Yeah, that kind of takes takes the load off of off of the players and, and they can just go play. And, and part of that, I mean, they had to go play the number four team in the country. So disregard all that other stuff. They're still playing, you know, one of the top five teams in the country. Yeah. Um, what what was it like preparing? I, I didn't know much. Of, I mean, I don't think any of us did knew much about Montana going in. We obviously never seen them uh, before. Kind of what was the game planning like? What were some of those discussions like? I think the game plan pretty much stayed the same. I mean, we weren't going to do anything, try to do anything from an X and O standpoint any different than what we had done all season. You know, we were going to go out there and play our game, you know, give it our best shot, throw it around, you know, run Zoe, you know, and, and just let our guys on the outside, you know, make some plays, you know, to see what, you know, see what, see what we can do. And, and, you know, like I said, we went out there on a Thursday and I'll, <laughs> I remember getting on the plane at Myrtle Beach International. It was 70 degrees. Okay, We get on the plane at about 11 o'clock. It's a nice, pleasant, nice, pleasant Thursday morning, you know, mid morning. We get on the plane and 70 degrees and we fly five hours and five hours later we get off. And <laughs> it's like, what is going Where did we just land? And so Matt and I get in the, car, in the rental car and we turn it on and it's showing us three degrees. It's, it's three degrees in Montana at three o'clock in the afternoon out there. And so wow. we, we, we went over to the stadium Thursday night to kind of get a little walkthrough. The team did. And, you know, it, by then it had dropped down to around zero, maybe a little bit less. And, and uh, we're, we're like, okay, you know what? The wind doesn't blow. This is good. We, we can manage this. If the wind doesn't blow, we'll be okay. Well, 12 o'clock the next morning, you know, next, at, at noon the next day, the team goes over because that's the time we were going to kick off on Saturday. The team goes over to the back to the school, back to the stadium. And I'm going to tell you what, that wind was coming through that canyon where that university and that stadium mm-hmm. is. <laughs> we're all looking around like, how are we going to do this? How is this going to yep. happen? And when we were deflating footballs left and right, I mean, Mike Kaywood, our former SID, has got a picture. Of, and we, we, we must have flattened about 10 footballs in that practice because the bladder got so cold it would rupture every time wow. you kick them. He's got a picture of this somewhere. This is just, it's, it's the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and, and they got the heaters blowing and then Matt, our members out there trying to interview Joe and they're, they're wrapped up like a you know, a couple of Eskimos. I don't even know how you understand either one understood the other trying to get a pregame interview going on. But I mean, just to kind of get those kids out there acclimated to that kind of cold. And then, you know, like I said, you know, the, the coaching staff and everybody told them, look, just control what you can control. You go out there and play your game, go out there and execute. We'll, we'll take care of you when you come off the field. And, now, once we got into the game on Saturday, the wind had calmed down considerably, so it wasn't quite as bad as Friday. So, you know, we, we get into this thing and, you know, well, first of all, let me back up a little bit. Of, you know, I was telling you that that cold is not what really what they're used to. We had gone out to eat, I uh-huh. think, on Thursday night when we got there. and we, we met up with some Montana people, and you talk about hospitable, nice people. I mean, they are, they are so friendly, just nice people. Hey, glad to have you here. You know, we've been following you guys, and, you know, y'all are a great team, and, you know, this, I mean, just, yeah, it, it wasn't a bunch of platitudes. I mean, they, they meant it. They, they were, they were nice. Yeah. And, and, and we were asking a couple of them, Hey, you know, I mean, where, where do you guys sit? And you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of team? And they're like, Oh, we're not going, it's going to be too cold. <laughs> That's how it, the Montana folks. Yeah, I know. We looked at each other like, if it's too cold for y'all. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So anyway, we get in the game and, and Montana comes out and scores. And, and uh, there, there were about 17,000 people in the stands that day. And they hold about 25. And you could see pockets of oh, empty okay. seats. You know, it was mm-hmm. loud now, as, as Gene Spobby would say. Yeah, it was cold and loud, all right. You know, but but they scored first, and then we we get the ball, and when we're backed up, I think we had a penalty or something like that, and we're down inside the we're down inside the uh, in, inside the fifteen, and we're looking at third down, and I'm thinking, man, if if we don't score here, 
you know, we <laughs> these guys jump up on us fourteen nothing. It 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 was minus right. it was minus five at kickoff. By the way, minus five degrees at kickoff. Yeah. If we don't score, or do something here, move the ball, at least get a you know first down or two, get some field position, flip the field. You know, we might be in a little bit of trouble. It gets a lot colder when you're down fourteen. Yeah, it does. And, <laughs> and so it, so so Alex goes to the line of scrimmage, and and we had a little play call, and Patna would tell me this later, just something to pick up the first down, a little crossing route to pick up the first down. Well, he looks out to his right, Alex does, and we got Demario Bennett out there one on one, and so he checks to Demario, and Demario runs past that corner like he's frozen to the turf. You know. <laughs> Woo! 86 yards later we're in the end zone and you know at, mm-hmm. as as things turned out i was out i was up upstairs doing color with matt <laughs> which is another story all in and of itself the only time that ever that's right. ever happened he did play by play i was doing the color commentary because we didn't have any we didn't have any radio gear that that, that ever made it out to montana which which is, a, which is a, an entirely different story <laughs> all kind of craziness <laughs> going on out there yep. you know and then and, and the game really took off from there and you know, it was just it was something else, and you know, I, we as we I don't if you want to team me up for the next question, that's fine. But uh, you know, it, it was seven seven, and the game really really got going from that point. Yeah, I, I have written down here. It, it gets a lot less loud when the shot scored twenty one in the second. What what was that kind of explosion? Um, you know, obviously you're watching from from up top, but what was that explosion like to see? And obviously, got to get stops to to score 21 straight. Defense defense came up so big in that game in the in the late first quarter, uh, early second. Well, for the entire second quarter, I think we stopped them four or five times in a row. And we talk about we talked about Nicolo Master Mateo a little bit earlier. He made a couple of catches where he just took big time shots in the end zone and somehow held on. Two uh, touchdown catches in the second quarter and hop score. You know, all of a sudden, you know, 14-14 goes to 35-14. And we're up, you know, we got a three-score lead on these cats going in the locker room. It's like, man, look at this, would you? Because the defense is, you know, stopping people and our <laughs> offense really had it going. And, you know, the second half, second half kind of slowed down a little bit. You know, they they got a couple of scores. We got one with Zoe. And, you know, it, it got down to late in the game where they scored and cut it to 42 to 35 with about five minutes left to go in the game. And I'm, I'm kind of I'm a little bit nervous for the first time in a while. I'm thinking, man, we got to possess this ball. And kind of like what Charleston Southern did to us, we did to them. They kicked off with five minutes left and we mm-hmm. converted a couple of times. And Alex had a couple of scrambles in there to pick up first downs and they never saw the ball again. And, you know, that that, that was the ball game. And yeah, you know, just I remember having to run down from the press box into the locker room to try to get a post game interview to record and bring back up to Matt to put on the air, and you know, with everybody just jubilation in that place. I mean, everybody hugging, and obviously it was just an incredible scene down there to to win that game and and then then get on the charter and go back home. I mean, that was you know next to the coming home from Omaha in 2016. That's a that's the second best plane ride I've ever been on with Coastal Athletics. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Fun to win that game. And then, you know, that, that entire trip was just so remarkable and phenomenal and memorable. I, I remember, you know, the, I think it was a Friday of that game, Dr. Senzo and, and Terry and, and a bunch of, bunch of people with the university were out there and they, they were, they were going all over Missoula trying to find some thermoses to fill up with chicken soup to give to the kids on the sidelines. <laughs> you know, like the old Notre Dame, Joe Montana, that cotton bowl that year, you know, they had the hot beverages, the hot soup and the thermoses. Yeah. They went and bought up every thermos in Missoula, Montana to give to those kids. I'll never forget that. I wanted to get that story in too, but that was the, everybody, everybody with coastal, everybody yeah. that went out there, everybody who had a hand in that played a part. And, and, and to me, Honestly, it's, it's still, you know, I think it's still the greatest win we've ever had, quite frankly. You know, I know we've won some FPS games and, you know, I, I get all that. But, you know, to go out there, if, if I ever write a book about coastal football, I'm going to have one chapter titled simply the Montana game, you know, about about that game in 2013. So that was a, a phenomenal effort by everybody. And so that game sets up, um, you know, another another trip out, um, luckily inside, but another trip out uh, to the, I guess, almost Northwest, Midwest, Northern Mid- Midwest, um, up to number one in perennial power, North Dakota state, uh, heading to the Fargo dome. Um, I have no doubt that the shots were prepared, but that just was how good was, best, was that Bison team at that time? The best of their, what, what is it now? Eight championship teams. I mean, and then they've had some, and, and their fans, I think would tell you that. And I think, yeah. you know, and I still talk to a couple of those people today, you know, these, all these years later that I'm still friends with, and that was maybe the best of, of that lot. 
and you know our, our kids went up there and played hard but to, to go on the road and put all the effort into going all the way out to montana the week before and then to come back and then to have to turn around and go another you mm-hmm. know 1900 almost 2000 miles again to go play in a loud environment in the Fargo Dome against, you know, the best team in the country. That's a tall order. You know, that's a tall order for our kids to have to do to make those kind of back-to-back trips. And, you know, like I said, they they played hard. They gave it everything they had. And But there was no shame in losing to NDSU out there in 2013. I mean, that was a phenomenal football team. And, you know, it, it was it was tough to end the season that way. But certainly it was, a, it was a season that you could, you know, despite the loss, you could certainly hold your head up high and say, you know what, we made a lot of ground in 2012 and we made even more in 2013. And what do you think they learned up there in Fargo that um, obviously helped them in, in 14? Obviously, I think you get better just by getting older in that experience. But what do you think that experience in Fargo specifically helped them uh, to get better uh, in 14? I think offensively, silent communication was tremendously helped because we had to have that. We had to be able to silently communicate the snaps and a lot of different things because when you go play in the Fargo Dome, their fans make zero noise. They sit down like it's a movie theater or a public library when they have the ball. Now, when you got the ball, everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs and you can't hear a thing in that place. And so I think the snap counts and how to you know, communicate you know, without being able to be heard, without the verbal communication was big. And I also think that it was extremely helpful for us to have an off week going into the playoffs in 14 like we didn't have in 13. Mm-hmm. You know, the 2014 playoffs, we got that bye week because we were a national seed. And then we played at home in, in round number two against Richmond. And we beat them down, you know, yep. them and Danny Rocco. That was that was a sweet one to beat that crowd like we did. <laughs> that was sweet too, yeah. yeah. Beat, I, beat those guys I traveled down. for that one. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, but we were able to play that at home and not, ex- you know, not have to expend a, a ton of energy and then we were able to go out to, you know, Fargo in 2014 again on a Thursday to try to kind of get acclimated. And, you know, our kids are right there. You know, Devin Brown brought a kickoff back, which really energized us and mm-hmm. got in the game. And Hop Henderson had a big game in that one. And, you know, Bruce Mapp played his guts out. I mean, he got banged up, but he still gave it everything he had. And, you know, Alex Ross got dinged up early in that game. And, you know, he he, he toughed it out. I, I wish he'd have been healthy for, you know, four quarters out there. But, you know, we just come up a little bit short. You know, against a Carson Wentz-led, you know, NDSU team, but yeah, you know, it, right. it is what it is. We we definitely learned a lot of lessons and and had the benefit of being able to have a week off and get some kids rested. But you know, still still going out there to win is a tough tough tall order. Our kids <laughs> almost made that climb and did it. You know, buttoning things up. What from 2013? What were your major takeaways? Um, you know, from that season, uh, what did the program, the Department of Athletics and even the university learn and benefit from, you know, the whole year? And obviously that magical run, including the Montana game. Um, what, what was the kind of the big takeaways for you? I felt like we had a chance at the national championship in 14. You know, I really do. And, and, and I think, you know, the university got a benefit. Athletics got a benefit because a lot of people saw us and kind of started to take notice of Coastal Carolina. You know, I, I know at the FCS level it's a little bit different. But if you're on national television like we were a couple of times that year, you know, people see that. You know, they see the Shauna Clear logo. They see, hey, that, that, that bunch is pretty good. You know, they went out to Montana and won, for crying out loud. And, right. and, and anybody in college football will take notice of that. I mean, I went, during the Montana game, I was getting texts from people at halftime. Like, I hadn't heard from this guy in a long time. And, and here, they, you know, here it is. <laughs> you know, somehow somebody's noticing this kind of stuff. And I, I think there's a lot of benefit. You know, there was a lot that came from that season, you know, in terms of what our team did and how they were able to build on 2012 and you know again heading into 2014 we had a lot of those guys coming back you know we had a lot of talent coming back and I felt like you know with our schedule uh, if, if things broke our way if we could make some things happen that we could make that run to Frisco Texas and you know we had, had that last game of the year that kind of messed us up a little bit but you know I, I really felt like that 13 team and, and you mentioned it earlier it's a term that Joe Moglia has used and I heard it from the first press conference until the you know to the day he stepped down, you know, compounding. You you take that 2012 mm-hmm. year, you add 2013 to it. You know, you build for 2014, and you know we, we we were number one in the country for a long year in 2014. You know, we yep. I thought we had the best team in the country going there for a while, but uh, I, I thought there was a a lot of benefits and a big springboard. You know, from 13 to 14, and you know that that was that was a great run too. 
Yeah. And it was, it was really cool as during, during 13, obviously I'm watching all this happen, um, from afar, but I'm working in the colonial athletic association, great FCS conference. And I'm talking to coaches every week, uh, interviewing them about their programs and stuff like that. And at the end of almost every interview, you know, they'd be taking their mic off. You're like, you went to coastal, right? And I said, yeah, still watching them. Still, you know, proud alum. And, and, you know, these old kind of more old school football guys are like, that Joe Moga is doing a pretty good job down there. And that was, that was really cool to hear, you know, some, some of the winningest coaches in the FCS and kind of taking notice um, of what we were doing down here in Conway. No doubt about it. I mean, because again, there was a, there was a lot of doubt, you know, there was a lot of people scratching mm-hmm. their heads over that thing. And, you know, football coaches from, you know, the pros to the high school, they're kind of like, you know, how, how does a guy, you know, step right into this thing after all these years away from football, you know, all these years out of college football and you know, how, how does he step in and, and get this thing figured out? But he, he sure did. You know, he was able to, he did you know, it, like yep. we said, like we said at the outset of this thing, he was able to organize some things. He brought in a staff that, you know, that, that, that did what he, he wanted to, wanted them to do. And, you know, was able to put it together and, and rally the troops and get things kind of organized and disciplined and, you know, get people focused and made improvements in the areas where we need to improve to, to, you know, to be a, a, a high level winning football program. And, and that's what he did. Well, Joe, thank you for your time. Um, we actually just passed an hour, so that's perfect timing. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, your unique perspective, especially with all the perspective you have um, all the way since 2003. So uh, thank you for, for sharing some of those stories and, and that perspective that you have. Alex, thanks so much. I mean, I, these, are, these are stories that I've been kind of wanting to tell for a lot of years, but never really had a forum to, to do it, a trip down memory lane, some of the great times of coastal football that I'll never forget. And, you know, 17 years around it, there's, there's, there's never been a bad year, quite frankly. You know, I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. And, I, again, I appreciate you uh, indulging me a little wow, bit. Wow, what a year, what a conversation football. Thanks so uh, much. to have with Joe Cashin about the 2013 football season. Uh, that was a joy to go through. I did not have the pleasure uh, to be in person for, for any of those games that year. Uh, I actually missed the, thir- the 12, 13, 14 season while I was off working somewhere else. Why would anyone ever do that? Uh, so that was great to, to be able to, to really feel those wins and, and kind of feel the passion that, that comes through. Uh, Joe Cashin's voice as he talks about these teams and and some of the funny stories and inspiring stories uh, from that year. Continue to share it all over your social media. Put it on your Facebook. Tell your fellow classmates from your year that you graduated or your years that you were going to games and let them know that they should be listening and reliving these years for with us and continuing to give us ideas for future podcasts. So at Coastal CSN is the spot you can do that. We'll also be sharing on the Go CCU Sports Twitter, the Go CCU Sports Facebook page. Thank you. Stay safe. We'll keep reliving these great moments. And we'll talk to you later.